friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited that you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Calling all kit inventors, the Little Bits Droid Inventor Kit is here for the holidays. With this toy, you can make the R2 unit, and you can invent a custom droid that hasn't even been imagined yet. Check out the Little Bits Droid Inventor Kit at littlebits.com, Walmart, Amazon, and Apple. Guys, you're listening to episode number 165 with my friend Bree McCoy. I traveled with Bree this summer to Kenya with Compassion International, which if you want to hear more about that trip, go listen to episode number 146 with Sophie Hudson, and you're just going to crack up laughing the whole time. And episode number 143 with my friend Angie Smith, where she talks about another trip that she went on with Compassion. Bree is one of the kindest, sweetest people that I know. Her and her husband, Jeremy, who's in the military, live in California. Brie loves to cook and entertain, and you will hear today how she started her love of cooking with an onion casserole, her story of how their small group finally broke down barriers and went deep with their time will encourage you to bring people around your table and into your home. Being married to someone in the military, she knows a thing or two about seasons and allowing God to grow us in those times. Listen to what she says. God did not create our lives to just be put on hold for seasons. God's bringing us through seasons for purpose. And so we need to give him everything we have, no matter what season it is, and not make an excuse. And it's hard, but it's good. Bree's been through different seasons of her life, and you're going to love the way she talks about that. We also talk about recipes and cooking and traveling and what country she loves. We talk about our time together when we were in Kenya. And we also talk, she brags on my son, Deacon, at the end. Super, super fun. And we're going to give you some good podcasts to listen to at the end. Guys, today's November 1st. You made it. We made it to November. I hope you made it through Halloween without eating too much candy or losing your mind over your kids eating too much candy. Maybe that's just my problem. You guys, November is jam-packed around here for us. There's three birthdays in the Ivy Houseful this month. I'm traveling to Guatemala soon with Noonday Collection. Thanksgiving is this month. My friend's 40th birthday plus a getaway plan for my man and I. November's busy. It's also going to be full of great guests this month. Today's Brie. And then next week, we have two guests on the show. First is my husband, Aaron, who is the only man I'll ever have on the show unless George W. comes around and says yes. And then the second half of the show is my friend. I like how I use that word when I tell you who it is. My new friend, Kathy Lee Gifford. Yes, you guys, I was able to interview someone off of my bucket list, Kathy Lee Gifford. Guys, and because it's November, it's time to pack Operation Christmas Child's shoeboxes. Their National Collection Week is coming up November 13th through the 20th. And by packing a shoebox full of simple gifts, you can share the good news and great joy of Jesus Christ with a child in need and teach your own kids about giving. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has delivered more than 146 million, you guys, 146 million shoebox gifts to children in over 160 countries and territories. And this year, Operation Christmas Child hopes to collect enough shoeboxes to reach another 12 million children. I told you guys last week that my mom makes a ton of shoeboxes a year. Most of the time, she takes some of her grandkids with her and lets them pick out things for the boxes. It's super fun for them. It's super fun for her. And she loves giving back to them. Visit jamieivy.com slash OCC for gift suggestions, tracking labels, and to find a drop-off location near you and help spread the word by tagging Operation Christmas Child on social media. Guys, if you forget that link, don't worry. I have it over up on my webpage. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with Bree McCoy. Hey, Bree. Hey, Jamie. Welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here in Austin, Texas. I love Austin. I'm not leaving. I hope Jeremy comes and moves here. (laughs) Would you move here with your man? I would. The food, the people, the town. I'm, I'm not leaving. 
Now, you live in a really cool place, though. I do. So there's something really appealing about where you live. It sounds dreamy to me. It is. Hermosa Beach, California is gorgeous. The beach is right there and you can walk everywhere. I love it so much. I basically just love everything. You just want but two houses and two spots. Is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask to be Oprah and have homes exactly. in more is cities it? than one? <laughs> um, I've never been to your town, but it sounds dreamy. And um, I'm glad you like my town. Uh, okay, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about you and what you do? Yes. So I have my hand in a few things. The first is I'm a food blogger. I blog at rsaverylife.com. And my passion for cooking really first came from a place of needing to feed myself and my husband. And then second came from a place of loving to bring people around a table and find community and fellowship. And so I just started creating recipes that were easy and people could use. And then the other thing I do is I actually lead our compassion blogger trips for Compassion International, which you know about because yes. you went to Kenya I went with, with you. Yes. Yes. So that's really fun. I get to connect with bloggers and podcasters and influencers and take them to see Compassion's work. And then they get to share what they're seeing. That's amazing. Okay. So today I want to talk with you about food. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, creating space around your table. It's something that Aaron and I both love as well. Uh, what you didn't mention and what I also want to talk about is being a military wife. Yes. yes because that I've had a handful of mil military wives on the show. Um, and then I also want to talk about um, traveling and compassion. Okay, <gasps> I just sounds amazing. I set up the whole show right now, right now. I love it. Okay, so let's start with food. Yes. I love to eat um, and my husband loves to cook. And so I have the best case scenario. Uh, you love both, I think, right? Love. I was with you. You like good yes. food. Yeah, yeah. Love. So you love to, to cook and to eat. So did you grow up like in a, this is what I'm always curious about. Did you grow up in a family where your mom's like, Brie, come cook with me? That is such a great question because I actually come from a really long line of women who love being in the kitchen. My mom and her sisters actually owned a bakery for a long time. My grandma and my great grandma always brought us all to the table. But when I was growing up, I never wanted to be in the kitchen unless I was eating. And then she, yeah, I like that. Yes. It's like I, I always conveniently showed up when the meal was just finished. Right. And what's amazing to me is my mom has this spectacular legacy with passing down these recipes and all of these cooking techniques that she's learned over the years. And she never pressured me to get into the kitchen. And I really never wanted to. I thought it was a waste of time. I thought this is going to make a mess in the kitchen. And then I have to clean up the mess. True story. Let's, yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, let's just eat a hot dog. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I, I did ask her, why did you never really get me in the kitchen more forcefully? She would, you know, ask me sometimes, hey, do you want to come watch me make this pie? And I was like, no. <laughs> no. Um, and she said, you know, I wasn't going to force something on you that you weren't passionate about. And so it wasn't until... I got married at age 26 and about three months into the marriage, my husband sat me down at a table, our table, and he was like, hey, so the budget isn't going to allow for us to eat out every night. Oh, you had that talk. That talk. That talk. Okay. To which I responded, so we will starve. <laughs> <laughs> the only other option, the only other Jeremy, option. is we're not eating. Yeah. And I was so serious. I was like, I don't what are our options? Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to eat? And he so sweetly was like, what if we 
get a cookbook <laughs> and, and cook some meals together. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. And the first probably year of me cooking was disastrous. Like I, you didn't, you hated it or your meals were awful? Both. Okay. So I, I was very exhausted. We both had really demanding jobs. We both traveled a lot. So I would get into the kitchen just tired oh. and also no groceries because I didn't grocery shop. And one of the first meals I made uh, was onion casserole because we only had a bag of onions. How is, how is onion casserole? It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally just onions and cream. And I thought, this is how much I did not know about cooking. I thought onions baked in the oven will be dinner. Okay. Yeah. It's not a side dish. I mean, right. it's a side dish. It's a side dish. <laughs> With some turkey or something yes. interesting. Yeah. Yes. And also I should have probably, you know, added spices, which right. we did not own. Oh, you sound like me cooking. When I cook, Aaron comes in and adds all the spices yes. and that he makes it better. Yes. Yeah. Spices are amazing. Yes. And so we sat down to that meal that night and I thought, I've done it. I I can make dinner. And we both took a bite and it was disgusting. We threw it away. Even though I tried to pawn it off on some of his coworkers and he was like, don't, don't, we need to have friends brief. Yeah. Don't give our old nasty food to people. <laughs> exactly. So, but I just kept showing up to the kitchen and I call my mom every day for a year at like 5 PM. Mom, what am I supposed to do? This is what I have. Tell me what to do. And then one day I just, we started having, uh, his friends over, which as you mentioned, I'm a military wife and a lot of his friends were single guys. And so we were just having them over and I started to hear them say, Oh, thank you so much. I've never, or I haven't had a home cooked meal in such a long Uh time. And that, that's what started me thinking I want to do this, Yeah, put a little bit more effort into it. And then you did, and then you fell in love with it. Fell in love. Yeah. That's kind of, Aaron tells a story. People ask me all the time, how did Aaron start cooking? And it was out of necessity. He didn't like what I was making. And so I said, well, what can you do, you yeah. know? And then he fell in love with it. And I so he reminds you guys, people that love to cook, like they don't need a cookbook. They can just walk into the kitchen, take a little quick survey yes. and just make some, like last night we had like curry, some kind of curry. Like I wouldn't mm. even know where to start with curry. Like oh. it's so daunting, but to him, it's just like, it's easy. Like he just does it. And so I see that with you too. And it's fun. It's fun having friends like that. It's have fun having someone in your family. And it's very creative. It's a very creative thing. So you're very creative. Thank you. I didn't realize that for a really long time, I thought I'm not an artistic person because I don't paint or do pottery or anything like that. And then one day someone had said, cooking is a creative outlet. And it made me feel like I'm an artist. Totally. And Aaron loves it at the end of the day. It's like a kind of a, it's like a, a wind down almost where some people will be like, I need to like sit in front of Netflix or I need to go sit outside and have a glass of wine or I need to go on a walk. Yes. He enjoys it. Yeah. Okay. Way. So you talk a lot. Well, you had a new book come out in September called Come and Eat and I've read it and it's fabulous. It's called The Celebration of Love and Grace Around the Everyday Table. And um, you're, it's not a cookbook. No. And it's not about cooking. No. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> um, it's about gathering people around your home and making them feel feel very loved and valued. Uh, There's a story in there I want to ask you if you'll share about. Yes. Okay. So several stories, but the one that always sticks out in my mind, like when I was thinking back, because I read this book a couple months ago. And so the story that sticks out to my mind is a story about um, how you were having small group upstairs for a long time. Oh, yes. Can you, okay. You know where I'm going? Okay. Go with that. Yes. Okay. So about a few years into 
me falling in love with cooking and starting to feel comfortable in the kitchen, Jeremy and I had moved to South Carolina because he was stationed there. And we decided we want to open our home to a small group. So we joined our church and we had a really lovely home and we went to the pastor and we said, you know, we we're willing to open our home. And he said, great, we have someone who's leading a small group and they actually need a place to host. So we, he connected us to the leader and the leader said, oh, there's going to be like 15 people. And Jeremy and I freaked out a little bit yeah. because we were like, oh, we don't really have a table that fits 15 people. Yeah. But we did have a loft and it was mostly storage, but we completely cleaned it out and we put fun little chairs everywhere. And we had this pub table that we used for food and drinks. And so the first night we were so excited. I had all these yummy items of food out. We had fun drinks out. And we eagerly awaited for 15 people to show up and three showed up and we thought there's been a miscommunication. Right. Maybe they got the wrong date. Exactly. And so also, unfortunately, no one ate our food because they had already eaten dinner or there were allergies or they were on a diet. And so the food just sat there and got cold and we did our small group. So afterwards, we asked the leader, hey, was people out of town like we thought 15 we we saw three yeah yeah, we're confused and he said actually no I forgot to send out the email okay lovely yes and it turns out that people aren't going to be able to show up and it's just going to be us three and we were like okay that's that's okay that's great well actually one ended up dropping out after that. So it was two guys and Jeremy and me. And we met in that loft for about two to three months. And we were going nowhere. I mean, by the end of the three months, we probably knew each other's favorite weather and food preferences. Yeah. Yeah. Were you still cooking every... I mean, there's four I had of y'all. stopped. Yeah. I had stopped because they they weren't. We, yeah. They were coming over around seven thirty eight is when the leader had set the time, and so Jeremy and I were really discouraged by it, and we just felt like we're not doing life with these people. We're not sharing our hearts. Do we just shut it down? Do we say thanks but we're out? Yeah. And as we prayed, we really felt the Lord telling us be faithful with the small, and so. Jeremy and I brainstormed a little bit and decided, you know what? We, we're here. God has us here for a reason. He has these two men in our home for a reason. So let's serve them a meal and just see. Let's just go from there. So I emailed the leader and the other gentleman and said, can you all come at seven? I'll cook food. You all don't have to do anything, bring anything, and let's just start there. And the first night that they came to the table, oh my gosh, Jamie, the stories we learned from, they were going through some really hard things, divorce and miscarriages with one of the men's wife. And, and for it, three months, for, you never heard that? Never heard that story. Ne- like this one um, gentleman was in the midst of the divorce. Never, never heard. And he'd been showing up at your house for three months and it, it never felt comfortable enough right. to say that. Right. And then the minute I gave him spaghetti. Yes, is that what you made? Yes, I made spaghetti. It's the first meal. If you are coming to my house for the first time, you are getting spaghetti. Okay. Because- <laughs> I, I want to get back to the story, but yes. I need to ask a little question here. Yes. Aaron will not eat spaghetti <gasps> because he thinks it's just like, eh, spaghetti. No. Oh, no, no. I know. So you need to send me secretly oh. how you make spaghetti, and then oh. I'm going to do it for Aaron. Yes. And be like, oh, I just made spaghetti. Do you want some? And he'll probably be like, eh. And then I'll give it to him, and he'll just be like, what happened? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's in the book. Oh, it's in the book and I could do a little fun spin on it, but I still make it weeknight 
because it's more like bolognese. Uh-huh. So which can be really take I don't hours. Even know what that word means. Oh, it's FYI. Italian. It's like okay, Italian it. meat sauce. Yeah. Bolognese. Bolognese. Okay. And it can take hours in Italy. They literally, but I make it 30 minutes. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. I'm going to, if it's in here, I have the book right here in front of me. I'm going to do it. Yes. Uh, okay. So you make him spaghetti. Yes. And then all of a sudden. All of a sudden they're opening up. Jeremy, That they left and Jeremy and I were literally in awe. And we were like, the only thing we changed was the setting. We took them from the loft to the table yeah. and we gave them some food. And so that small group ended. Um, some really encouraging things happened. One of the leader, his wife actually got pregnant. And so they had their baby. And then the man who was going through divorce, they were actually able to reconcile. Oh. And so it was great. Um, but a few years later, we volunteered our home again, a little nervous uh-huh. that it was going to be two people. And, but we came together and said, faithful with the small, faithful with the small. And we had 15 to 20 people start coming to our home. Was it in the loft or was it around the table? It was around the table. Uh-huh. And we had to end up splitting the group. And then that group had to split. And it was just a great reminder that God does teach you some amazing things if you are faithful with the small and then he'll bring the masses. I love that. I love I love so much about that because we have a friend who says a shared table is a shared life. And it's just such a reminder that things really do open around the table. I think yes. it's, Aaron and I have seen this in our home and whether that table is in our kitchen or in our backyard, um, it's like become safe. Yes. It's like if you give people, if you feed their bellies and you and the table becomes safe, people open up. Yes. I And I feel like the fork is the most unassumed microphone. Oh. Give someone a fork and they're going to, they're going to share their life with you. I like that. Yes. It happens every time. Do you eat your spaghetti with a fork or a spoon? Are you supposed to? Isn't, so how do they do it they in do it Italy? In Italy, they do it with a spoon, spoon and, and a, a knife. Fork. Or spoon and a fork? Yeah, they like twist it. Oh yeah, you're their, right. Yes. I ain't got time for that. Uh-uh. No, just give me a fork. Do you cut up your spaghetti noodles or do you twirl them on your fork? So I always think I'm going to twirl. But then I, it's just, it's too much. It's, and there's always one yes. string that didn't get the message. Yes. And so it's awkward. It's awkward. So do you cut? So then I have to cut. Okay. But I start out trying to be cool. Uh-huh, yeah. And then I secretly am like cutting. I used to cut my kids because they were little, yeah. obviously. And now I don't cut them that much. But if we're eating noodles like that and they start, I'm t- kids at the table, I have some <laughs> issues with sounds. And if they start like slurping it. Yes. Or they get the big spoonful. I'm like, give me your bowl and cut it up. And yeah. they're like, mom, I'm 13. Don't cut my food up. And I'm like, well, eat it the right way. So I find myself cutting mine up too. I love that so much. The things you learn. The things you learn. Uh, all right. So author, cook, blogger, military wife. Your husband was recently deployed. Yes. In fact, we were in Kenya together in June and he was gone. Yes. So you guys were kind of on the same side of the world. But not together at all. Yeah. And you couldn't even talk really. Right. Because the time zone helps your communication. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So how long have y'all been married and how many times has he been deployed? Okay. We have been married six years and he, in our marriage, this was his second deployment. Okay. But how many times total for him? Three. Three times. All right. So when we were dating, he was actually, we met and then a month later he deployed for six months. So our relationship. And you were like in the, you said, Hey, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. And so we, you learned quickly. I learned quickly. Yeah. But I will tell you, we have got communication down. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Like. Because you have to. Oh, we had to. But then what's really funny is then sometimes in person, we're so awkward. 
I'll just text you. <laughs> like, I'm going to just call on the yeah. phone real quick. So y'all talk on the phone well. <laughs> yes. But in person, it's like, wait, you're here? Yeah. Yeah. When he got back from his deployment at the end of summer, I would, I just kept turning over my shoulder and thinking, oh, he's here. He's, oh, he's here. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yes. Has anyone given you like any great advice on how to deal with coming and going of the husband? Yes. Okay. What's the best thing? The best advice. And it actually came from the military and they told it to Jeremy and Jeremy told it to me. And they said, you know, she has established a new normal and you have established a new normal and you have to acknowledge that. So when you guys come back together, you have to work on bringing back a normal that you both are operating in. And it was so true. When he first told me that, I felt like, no, we're married. Yeah. But he came back and it really was like, I was acting like, uh, bachelorette again, you yeah. know, I'm like I have, I have, you know, drinks with my girls tonight yeah. and drinks with my girls tomorrow. Uh-huh. And Jeremy was like, also I'm coming home from work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, it's very intentional to bring our lives back together. I'm sure that takes some getting used to the first couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that I learned that lesson, the first deployment, because you see, especially on TV and things when the husband or the spouse comes home and the partner is jumping into their arms, so excited. But then what you don't see is when they get back home. Oh, that's interesting. And the door closes. And it's hard. And it's hard. And you think, especially something that I've learned in marriage is how many expectations I bring to the Uh relationship. And the amount of expectation you bring to relationship when your husband is deployed is insanely large. And so when, when he got home from his first deployment, I just thought there were going to be fireworks yeah, and lots of stuff yeah, happening. Lots of sex. Lots of sex. <laughs> like I thought, yeah, yeah, lots of sex. Yeah. And it was more like, it's like you're coming, awkward coming hug. back to get, yeah. No, it's like, we don't think about that. It was so, and there were a lot of tears and just a lot of why is this awkward yeah. and why does this not feel normal? Uh-huh. And so you get used to living where your husband's not there. Yes. And that seems weird. Yes. But I can see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And you have to take those expectations down. And and Jeremy, what's really interesting, he was trying to be so, you know, something that the military tells them that I don't know is great advice is they were telling him, you know, be a little standoffish in a way, like respectful. Okay. But I'm not thinking. No, you're like, he just can't keep his hands yeah, off you. Yeah. yeah. And they're telling him like, Give you her need some space. Give her some space. Communicate to her that sex is not the only thing you want from her. Uh, yeah, yeah, because that that's true, though, if you think about it, because then a wife could be like, oh, this is all you this, miss? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And okay. I'm thinking like, oh, you didn't miss this? <laughs> you didn't miss <laughs> Yeah. This? So that's like communication. Oh, like, yeah. Like, what am I expecting when you get home? Yes. Yes. And it was, but the second deployment, oh, man, we had it down. Okay. Like, before he got home, we were on you the You talked call. about it. We talked and about it. And I bet it. you'll even see if you guys... Um, <clears throat> If you guys plan on having kids or if God makes that part of your story, you'll even see the changes and how that's different then. Yes. Because Aaron used to travel a lot, which is by no means anything the same as military. But he traveled, you know, like 250 days a year. Yeah. 200 days a year a couple of years ago. Well, about 10, 12 years ago. And I had two little kids. And when he would come home, uh, 
I wouldn't want like you can't keep your hands on me. No, what I want you to do is put the kids to bed. That's what I want you. I want you to do bath time. Uh, I want you to make us dinner, and I want you to take the kids to preschool tomorrow because I'm sleeping in. But you know, so it was just a little bit different. True, uh, but it's even different now with the kids being older. You yes. know, like I just need like that partner, that communication. I need a yes. helper. And we said this before. I was like, whenever I have these moments, I think about all the single uh, moms. Yes. Who this is, they don't have that choice. They're not waiting for someone to come home. It's their reality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Ah. Oh. Oh. You military wives stick together though, don't you? Oh, yes. Yeah. We stick together. And it's amazing too, because we kind of have a little secret pact between us where we know when our husbands deploy, we're best friends and inseparable. And then slowly you'll see as the husbands come back, like we won't see Shelly for six months. <laughs> <laughs> One person's off. Yeah. yeah. Like slowly the group just, and it's like, okay, they're back to yeah. life. And, and then you get back to. Yeah, yeah. And then the deployment will come again and you'll see the women come back. Hey, yeah, exactly. Uh, someone gave me really good advice uh, when Aaron traveled a lot. It was another woman at our church who her husband traveled a lot speaking and Aaron traveled a lot doing music. And she said, she actually told me this when we were newly married and didn't have any kids. She told me, she said, just make sure your life um, continues when he comes home. And what she meant by that was my husband wasn't gone for six months at a time. He was gone like Thursday to Sunday, you yeah. know? So she was like, if you have Bible study on Monday, keep going to Bible study on Monday, you know, so that you have this rhythm and this regularity that you can keep going. So it's kind of the same, you yes. know, just kind of like, don't put your life on hold for three days when he's gone for four, because then I would have been miserable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so good. And that's something Jeremy and I have actually had to preach that to ourselves just being in military because we'll move every three to four years. And it's really easy to say, I'm only going to be here for three years. Yeah. So why am I going to dive into a church with everything I have? Why am I going to pour my heart out to my neighbors? I'm I'm going to leave. Yeah. And it is hard. We had an amazing church family in South Carolina and it is definitely hard to leave. But God did not create our lives to just be put on hold for seasons. God's bringing us through seasons for purpose. And so we need to give him everything we have, no matter what season it is and not make an excuse. Yeah. And it's hard, but it's good. It's hard, but it's good. And it's like, you just think about like, like how God's word tells us, like I put you in this place where you live for a reason. Yes. And it's not dependent on how long you're there for. Exactly. Because really we don't even know if we're here tomorrow. Exactly. You know. That's And that's something that I talk about a little bit with the table is I've had a lot of friends share with me, oh, I'm in this season of life where it's just, it's it's hard to get to the table. And so something that they helped talk with me, talk me through and what I wrote about in the book is no matter what season you're in, just try to go to the table. Even if you're in a season where you have babies and it's 10 minutes, one day it might be hours. Exactly right, yep. But you don't have to put the sanctity of the table on hold Yes, because of the season of life yeah. here. And also for those of you that are listening with little kids, you don't have to look at people who have bigger kids who sit down and have a normal meal every night at seven o'clock and think, oh, we don't do that. Well, it's because you have a six month old and a two year old. <laughs> yes. You have dinner at 4.30 with them yes. and then you and your husband eat at nine. <laughs> so, yes. but it's setting up the rhythms, you know, yes. like I'm, I agree, like we do. <clears throat> Family dinners are really important in the Ivy household. Um, and as my kids are getting older, they're really even more important because just like football, like I'll give you an example with football practice. My kids have football practice. The latest that they get home, we get we walk in the door at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Wow. Now, in the school year, we're not doing what I'm about to tell you as often, but in the summer, we didn't eat until 
9 p.m. Because it was really important for us. Yeah. Whereas Aaron stayed home with two of the kids. We could have fed those two. And then we could have fed these two. And it looks like that a lot of time in the school year. So don't hear me say I'm not keeping my fourth grader up till like <laughs> 930 at night in the school year. But what I'm saying is we do adjust. And it's important for us to be around the table. And we've been doing that since our kids were little. It looked different. Yes. It looked like us feeding them peas and carrots and fish sticks at five. Yes. And Aaron and I were like, we're not eating dinner right now, but we'll eat when you jokers go to bed. Yes. Uh, but it was just a value. But I think too, like when you talk about bringing people around your house, it, it's hard sometimes in different seasons, mm-hmm. but you have to just look around you. Who can come into this world right now? Yes. So if you're like a single mom, maybe you bring in, you know, a college girl yes. and you're discipling her and she eats dinner with you guys at night. Yes. And your crazy kids are there and, you know, y'all are kind of tag teaming. Yes. Oh, there is, I can't tell you if the women in my life said, I can't have you over because of little kids. I, I honestly don't know where I would be because I've gone through some, you know, deployments and just some hard things and them opening their home to me. There, There's one story where Jeremy was deployed and I was having a really hard night and I reached out to a friend and she said, come on over. The house is a mess. The kids are crazy. We probably won't eat for another three hours, but just get over here. Oh. And I was in and I went over and it was so funny. She she had me changing her kids' diapers. There was a poo smeared all over the kitchen floor. Yep. She was like, can you get that for uh-huh. me real quick? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. And she's like, I hope you still want to have kids one day. Um, can you? And it was so life-giving oh. to me. And if she would have looked at that situation and said, this is embarrassing to yeah. me, I would have had a very lonely hard night. Mm. And so I'm grateful. That story is two-sided because it took a lot for you to say, to send that text and say, I'm having a really hard night. Can I come over? And it took a lot for her to look around and be like, holy crap, this place is a disaster. Okay. Yes. Come on in. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it takes a lot for us. So whichever side you're on to take that step. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We need both people. Yes. People are asking because I think the other thing is most of us probably do really want to help, but we don't know where to put our effort, especially if you have little kids running around. But if the people who need the help can just take that step of bravery and say, I am not doing well, and there's no way you're going to know this unless I tell you. Right. Yeah. Then we can come together as the body. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so wonderful. All right, guys, I am loving this conversation with Brie about different seasons and still inviting people into your world. It's real life and people want to be a part of that. While we take a break in the show, I want to thank our sponsors. These people make the happy hour possible. First is Virtue. Virtue Labs is a new hair care brand with the goal of giving everyone the best hair scientifically possible. All thanks to an incredible new protein, Alpha Carotene 60KU, which was discovered six years ago by a group of bioscientists working in restorative medicine. Unlike most hair care products, which are sourced from animal byproducts, Alpha Carotene 60KU is a whole human protein that's identical to the carotene in your own hair. What this means is it has the power to resurface and fill in cracks from the damage to change your hair's quality and appearance forever. That means more bounce, more shine, more strength, and more life for your hair. And now you can only find it in Virtue Labs line of shampoos, conditioners, and styling products. Not to mention, you guys, that each Virtue Labs product is formulated to address specific hair issues like heat damage, frizz, or thinning hair. You're going to notice a difference after the first wash. I've been using Virtue Labs hair care products for a couple of weeks now, and I am really, really loving it, especially as the air starts to change outside. 
Ready to experience it for yourself? You guys, Happy Hour listeners can try Virtue at 10% off and get free shipping with the code Happy Hour. Visit VirtueLabs.com to place your order. Use the code Happy Hour. Because you guys, it's time to start treating our hair with a little more humanity. It's time for Virtue. Guys, I also want to thank Ring for sponsoring today's show and making the Happy Hour happen today. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. Today, over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Ring knows that home security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So now they're extending that same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring Floodlight Cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight that connects right to your phone with HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps on your property. See and speak to visitors, even set off an alarm right from your phone. With Ring's Floodlight Cam, when things go bump in the night, you'll immediately know what it is. Whether you're home or away, the Ring Floodlight Cam lets you keep an eye on your home from anywhere. Ring Floodlight offers the ultimate in-home security with high-visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security in your hands. With Ring, you're always home. Save up to $150 off a Ring security kit when you go to ring.com slash happy hour. Ring.com slash happy hour. Again, to save $150 off a Ring security kit, go to ring.com slash happy hour. Okay, guys, now back to the rest of the show with Brie, where we talk about compassion, and I tell you about how I thought my life would just be complete if I could get on a compassion trip. Here's the rest of our conversation. Okay, so another thing that you have your hand really heavily in is compassion. You said you told us you lead their blogger trips, which people have, since I went in June, people are like, how do I do, how do I get on this trip? How do people get on these trips? That's amazing. Okay, so you can go to compassionbloggers.com. And you can fill out a form, actually, and it comes to me. And I take that form to the committee. We have a committee. Ah. So there's a lot of different things we look so at. So you did that with me? Yes. You're like, hey, what do you think about Jamie Ivey? Yes. And they're like, was it like a two to three vote or something? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, yes. <laughs> actually, we were like, will she want to come? Oh, we love compassion. Um, so, okay, so they could go apply. Yes, apply. I'll get the application and I'll take it to a committee and it, we only take two trips a year, so it can get backed up, but you should still apply. Yeah. I think you should still apply. I still apply for sure. Uh, so we met and we talked about compassion blogger trip and, um, I think I want to share this story real quick. Um, I think I told you this before when we lived in Nashville, uh, and Sean Groves was leading the blogger trips. I mean, y'all been doing these trips since almost, when, 10, years. almost 10 years and we've lived in Austin nine years. So they must have just started right before we moved. Um, and I remember following them and I thought to myself, and I had a blog that was basically just like me updating people about my kids' lives, right? And talking about adoption, (laughs) how we all started blogging, right? And, but I used to think I want to be on this trip because we had been compassion supporters. My husband had been on compassion trips. He did, he talked about the stage, like, okay, so we're in, right? And I applied like 17 times. (laughs) Okay, that might be an exaggeration, but I did apply a lot and um, I never got invited. And I used to think my life will be complete if I can get on a compassion blogger trip for two reasons. I love compassion and I love traveling. And so put them together. And I love telling people about how they can help needs in the world from their home. Uh, And so funny story is about a year and a half ago, uh, I got invited on a trip and I couldn't go. And I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't work with like my life and my thing. And I remember I had this really sweet moment with God and, and 
I could cry. It's so dumb. It's only my emotion here. But I had this really sweet moment with God where he was like, that's not your end goal. Mm -hmm. And look, like you have, this is something that you thought you wanted for so long. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't even work in your schedule because I have you doing amazing things. And he's like, just don't worry. I have more. And like, it, it was almost like he was saying that you're doing, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Compassion blogger trip is not your end goal, what you're supposed to do. Uh, and so I, I giggled about it when I told Aaron and a couple of my girlfriends like Maris and Laura and them, they lived with me in Nashville and they knew <laughs> because I would always be like, does anyone know Sean Groves? And Maris's husband did, whatever. Uh, but I did get to go with you guys this summer to Kenya and I got to bring my son Deacon. Oh. And so if you guys are listening, uh, you can go back and actually listen uh, to an episode it's episode number 146 where Sophie Hudson comes on. Uh, and we actually, because Sophie Hudson was with us yes. um, at Boo Mama online. And we talk about the trip. And so, and oh, also, also you can listen to 143, Angie Smith. We talk about compassion. So I have been talking a lot about my story. How did you get involved with compassion? Oh, that's a great question. So I actually was doing some mission work in Thailand and I came back for a little bit and I thought, you know, I am just going to make that side money and then get back to Thailand. And so I went to Compassion because I'm born and raised in Colorado Springs. I was living in Colorado Springs. Compassion is in Colorado Springs. And I just wanted to do a stint. So I came on as an on-call person for a few months. And within one month, I had completely fallen in love. I was like, no, I'm not leaving. I felt God completely shift the path I thought I was supposed to be going down. And so I applied and I, for a little while, was an assistant to an assistant. Okay. I need an assistant to an assistant. (laughs) Assistant to an assistant. I love it. And I was like, oh, I will start anywhere. Like I will mop the floors. Uh This place is amazing. God's doing amazing things. I want to be a part of it. And so it was really amazing because at the time, compassion had started to explode within employees and they were hiring at that time, 300 people. Wow. And so your odds were good of getting in. They were good. Yeah. And it just so happened that my position, assistant to the assistant, was sitting next to the gentleman who led, um, or I'm sorry, who created the compassion blog. And so he, we started talking about blogging and I had a blog. Because you were blogging on yes. Save Life, yeah. And so he basically said, mm, I'm hiring you. And so I, I really started working in the social media department and then Sean Gross needed a co-leader. And so he took a few people on the trip from Compassion and I was the best fit. And so I started co-leading with Sean and now I'm leading and them. And now you're leading them. Yes. What a fun job. So where is one of the favorite countries you've been to, not because of compassion, but because of the country? Well, I do love Thailand. Yeah. Thailand is amazing. Have you led a compassion trip there? Not yet. Okay. But compassion is there. And maybe that's the next secret trip. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. dun. Dropping hits, (laughs) dropping hits. (laughs) Um, It's just gorgeous. It is stunning. But I will tell you, the minute you get off the plane, you feel the blanket of oppression. Uh, It is some of the hardest things that I've seen. And I talk about this a little bit in my book. Yeah, you do. Where I thought, I'm here. The minute I got off the plane, I'm here. I'm in Thailand. Getting these women out of prostitution. Jump in the car. Let's go. Done. And it is such a web of injustice that you don't even know where to begin once Uh. you enter. 
it, it's a really hard place to be, but there needs to be light there. Yeah. And so I'm so grateful compassion is there. Yeah. Um, have you been to South American countries yes. on your trips? Okay. Yes. Guatemala. I haven't been to Guatemala, okay. but I've been to Ecuador. I'm going to Guatemala soon. You are? Mm-hmm. Why are yeah. you going to Guatemala? I'm doing a trip with Noonday. <gasps> going down there with Jessica. I've wanted to go. You, okay. You, you'll be, you'll be. It's going to be amazing. <gasps> like we're designing a piece of jewelry. Stop. Uh, it'll really, it's coming out. It coincides with my book. I mean, oh. it's fun. It's fun. That is so exciting. I know, right? Ah, so I'm exciting. I'm going to follow along so because exciting. I want to go to Guatemala. Yeah, Guatemala, I've heard, is beautiful. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Well, when we went to uh, Kenya this summer, it was my, um, I've now, that's my third country I've visited um, in the continent of Africa. Uh, and to bring my son with me was really, really, really special. So I was so thankful that you guys let Sophie and I bring her, one of our, her son and one of my boys. And it really impacted him. I'll tell you this, just um, this summer, we were walking on a trail here in Austin, the Greenbelt. And we're walking besides this creek, river, lake, something. And normally we go swim there. Anyhow, we're walking along and I'm like, oh, look, there is no water in here. These are the rocks we jump off. We normally mm. swim here. And I was like, we're in a drought. We need rain. And Deacon's like, mom, we don't really need rain. Like Kenya's in a drought and they uh. really need rain. And it was this moment where I was like, that was so cool for me to hear him say that because since we've been back from Kenya, we get the emails from Compassion and they told us this when we were there. They need rain mm. and they need rain like... Like they need rain. Yes. Like we need rain in Texas, but no one's dying. Right. Uh, I, I drink water every day. I let my shower run way too long. You know, like, and so it was just this moment where I was like, man, thank you, God, for impressing that on his little heart that he knows there's people around the world that have very, very felt true needs that we don't get. Yeah. Yes. I loved having those boys on the trip with me. And I have to tell you that, I had a co-leader, but Deacon was my co-leader. <laughs> because boy knows when you need to go. Let me <laughs> what tell you. What time it is. Hey, everybody, it's time to wrap it up. I was like, okay, next co-leader of Compassion Blog Trips is Deacon Ivy. Let me tell you, he, it, it drives me crazy <laughs> most of the time. Because, you know, it was just a leave for football practice. And he's like, let's go, mom, let's go. And I'm like, Deacon, look at me. I'm in charge. If you're ready, go get in the car. Like it literally, he cannot stand to be late. If you tell him, hey, on Friday the 22nd, we're going somewhere at 6 p.m., he knows. At Friday the 22nd, I need to be ready to go at 5.45 and we're leaving right now. I mean, it's a very good trait. It drives me crazy. Several times on the trip, I had to look at him and be like, Deacon, listen, you are not in charge of me. I am in charge of you. I am your mother. You are my <laughs> son. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> so true. I, see, I remember when we got back and we were at the airport and I'm standing at the baggage carousel looking for all the bags, looking, and then all of a sudden Deacon comes up and says, Miss Bree, there are all the bags. He had gotten all the bags. I'm like, how did I miss those bags? Yes. And he's he on is it. our kid who he know if you lose something, he knows where it is. He just looks around and he takes everything in. He's aware of his surroundings. He knows what needs to be done. Like if there's a need that needs to be done, he's going to do it. Yes. And I tell you, out of four kids, he's the only one like that. And I didn't birth him. And I just really think he just has something in him. Yes. You know, Yes. Um, he's a special kid. All of my kids, I love them all dearly, um, all the same. Um, the, he does have something really special by him. It's amazing. He's he very, amazing. he was very observant on that trip. I was very. very impressed. Yeah. I was a little nervous because of his age, you uh -huh, know, you uh -huh. never know. We've, you never know. We've done a few trips with kids and it, it always makes me a little nervous, yeah. but 
I love it. Yeah. I knew that he would be able to handle it. That's why he got to go. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's amazing. Um, But just compassion. I mean, I've spoken about compassion on here before. And I, Aaron and I are both fans. We've been supporters of compassion for, golly, 15 years. You know, 15 years probably. 14 years at least. Um, and I've been on a trip like we were just talking about. Aaron's been on trips. And we just love the the model that compassion sets up of um, releasing people from poverty, not just like physical poverty, but spiritual poverty and emotional poverty and the way that they work through the local church. Like, yes. that's amazing. There are, um, you know, we, we also love and support IJM who does different stuff that is so needed. Yes. We love IJM. Yes. Um, I was thinking about Thailand. When you're talking about Thailand, I was IJM. like, IJM is, does amazing work there. Um, and so if you're looking, if you're listening and you're thinking, man, I, I want a tangible way that I can be a part of something and I can't go to Kenya and I don't have $50,000 to give towards a water well. Um, it's super easy to sponsor a child. And we just wrote Brian the other day, our sponsored <gasps> child from Kenya. Um, we have three sponsored children through Kenya and we write them and We've now met all of them, which is so not normal, but wow, I know Aaron's met two of them and I've met two different ones. Yeah. So it's crazy. That's amazing. Um, but it's a super, super, it's, if you're a parent, I'll say this, it's a great way to introduce your children to the world and the needs and all those kind of things. Yes. Yeah. It's, that is one of the best ways. I yeah. think. Uh, so if you, if you're like, Hey, I just want to check this out and read about it. Or if you think you do want to sponsor a kid, I've made it easy for you. Well, actually let me rephrase that. Compassion has made it easy for you. Go to compassion.com slash happy hour. And there's information there. Uh, it might still just be kids from Kenya. It might be kids from everywhere. I don't know. Just go check it out. Look. Um, okay. Brie, every time I finish a show, I ask people three things are loving and what they're reading. Are you prepared for this? Oh, I'm prepared. Oh girl, bring it. Okay. <laughs> what are you reading and what are you loving? Okay. So I am reading right now any book about Mount Everest. Are you climbing it? And K2? No, no, nor, nor am I me. climbing anything. Oh, but you, what's, what's, what's intriguing you? I am so intrigued by these human beings who have this passion and desire and gumption to get up a mountain that kills a lot of people. Yes. Like it is no joke. I get a little cold and I'm like, shut it down, Jeremy. Right. We gotta, we gotta go back. Uh, I'm just really inspired and also curious. Uh, I just cannot get enough. If you saw my Goodreads profile, it's like Everest, Everest, K2, Everest, Everest, K2. I don't, I can't get enough. Do you think you could ever do it? No. No, it's a no. No, Yeah. there's no way. In fact, someone said, well, you know, you could get to base camp, which I think is 14 to 18,000 uh-huh. feet. And I'm like, I don't no, think so. No, you don't so. want to do that either. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to read about it. I have it. zero desire to do that either. Although it sounds like it'd be an amazing thing to be able to say, so like last year I climbed Mount Everest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. it was like, just, just thing I did. The best cocktail story ever. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, okay. So anything about Mount Everest? Uh, there, well, okay. So Into Thin Air is the best first book to read okay. about Everest. Okay. If you're, if you is, want to It's start. a true story or is it like It's a-, a true story. It's actually what the movie was based off. There was I was an about F- to say, does- Yes. How, is the movie recent, old? I think it came out maybe one or two years ago. Okay, okay. And Jeremy would not watch it with me. He was like, we <laughs> we got to stop the obsession. That's hilarious. And I was like, you can go into the other room. I will do this. This is happening. This is happening. Uh, okay, so that's what you're reading. What are you loving? I am loving the Enneagram. Oh, yay. I am so obsessed with the Enneagram. I love it so much. 
Uh, you know this I, because we talked we about talked it. We talked about co- it. And I still have, I took a test and it gave me some numbers, but I did it kind of halfway. Like I feel yes. like someone gave us the book recently. Oh, yes. So we need to read it. And people have said you should have the woman on your show. Yes. So there's yes. that. You should do that. And then I think anyone who's trying to figure out their number, because it took me probably three years, they have a podcast called The Road Back to You. Yes. And people I just, recommended it to me. Yes. I just listening to the different numbers being interviewed and asked questions like, how do you feel uh-huh. in this scenario? What are you motivated by? Listening to that helped me understand, oh, this is my number. Right. Okay. Yes. Someone I'm about to actually take uh, the real, real test where you pay like $12 to oh, take it. Yes. So I'll let you know. Let me know. I yes. will. Okay. What else are you loving? I am loving... Okay, this is a real situation. Jamie, you have affected my life. Uh-oh, good. I'm glad. Is it a podcast? I am loving Well, Potty Breaks. <laughs> oh, yes. Jamie. Did I help you or hurt you? You helped me. Okay, tell me why. Okay, so when we were in Kenya, never have I ever <laughs> needed to go to the bathroom all the time. But when we were in Kenya, Jamie knows, like she would go to the bathroom and then I would say, okay, everybody, we're loading up in 10 minutes. And she had just gone to the bathroom. And she would go back to the bathroom. Yes, yes. I had this very real fear of being stuck on a bus and having to pee and not being able to go. So if you, it doesn't matter if I just went. If you said we're leaving in 10 minutes, I'm going back to the bathroom. Yes. And trying to squeeze out a drop or two. I mean, like, I will empty out my bladder (laughs) because I will not be stuck on a bus. Yes. And to your credit, there were some like three hour rides. Yeah, there were. And I was not going to be, I was not going to be down with that. No. So ever since we've come back, I usually, I, I never thought about it. Like I just leave the house and now I'm like, no, 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 I got to go to the bathroom. See, these are things I'm teaching my children too, because you, you, nothing. Well, there are some things I will kind of get angry if we're driving in the car 10 minutes from our house and someone says, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. No, no, no. We just left the house. I do not understand. You knew we were getting in a car and you knew we were driving. Why do you just have to go to the bathroom? So maybe my my parenting frustration yes. helps me. Yes. I love it. Okay, good. It's, I it's, say if there's a bathroom, use it. Use it. You never you, know. You That is for real. Let me just, if, if I should make t-shirts. If, should. if there's a potty, get on it. Get on it. Yeah. Empty <laughs> that bladder, girls. I want that shirt. Yes. And the older I get, this may be too much information, like the bumpy roads oh. in Kenya. I didn't trust my bladder. If you know what I mean. Oh. I didn't trust the leaks <laughs> no. or anything like that. And so I needed to make sure we were empty. It was a situation. Yes. Yeah. It was a situation. I feel like I might get dehydrated before I drink a water bottle oh. on those roads because I didn't want it coming out. Oh my gosh. It it was, I, I totally am there with you. I was like, oh my gosh, nothing has ever shaken so much. Yes. Oh like, gosh. You should hear Sophie talking about it when she came on the show. It was hilarious. If you have not listened to the episode uh, with Sophie when she came on to talk about our trip, it's hilarious because we talk about this road trip that we went on. Uh, okay. Enneagram potty breaks. What else? Um, Code Switch podcast. Oh, I don't know this. This is an excellent, excellent podcast. Um, it is about racial reconciliation and all the journalists are journalists of color and they really bring it. I mean, it is, it is sometimes uncomfortable for me to listen to because it can be very convicting. Okay. But I have learned so much. If you have any questions like, is this appropriate? Is this PC is saying this to a person of color. Okay. They will tell you. And it's so good because I have learned so much about 
things that I did that actually turn out like that's not okay, Brie. Yeah. Like it's not okay that okay. you're saying that or that you're doing that. Um, ways that you can help in racial reconciliation right from where you're at. They cover amazing stories. They give amazing statistics. It has completely opened my mind to things that I was very ignorant to. Okay, I love it. I just added it to my phone as you're speaking uh, because I love stuff like that. NPR puts it out so it can't be bad, right? right. Okay, can I give you a podcast? Yes, you gave me one. I'm obsessed. It's not about racial reconciliation, although I listen to um, several podcasts that deal with that. It's called Ear Hustle. <gasps> what? Ear I've not Hustle. Heard of this. Okay, everyone needs to find out about Ear Hustle. Uh, it is, I'm going to read about it real quick. It says Ear Hustle brings you stories of life inside prison shared and produced by those living in it. That's what's cool no. about it. Yes. They create it in the prison. The team works in San Quentin's media lab to produce stories that are sometimes difficult, often funny, and always honest, offering a nuanced view of people living within the American prison system. It's so good. Oh, that's, I'm listening to it as I drive away from here. Yeah, Ear Hustle. <laughs> subscribe. Yeah, um, subscribe, subscribe. I love it. You have great taste in podcasts. I love podcasts. You also do a great podcast. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Bree, thank you so much for coming to my home and recording this podcast with us today. Okay, go get the book, come and eat, (laughs) make some spaghetti, and invite people around your table. Yes, I try to make it really easy. I give you the recipes, they're easy recipes, even questions if you're nervous, if you haven't done this, practicing the art of bringing people around the table, there's questions in the book. So you can just whip out. People love to talk about themselves. Just ask them questions. Yes. Who doesn't love to talk about themselves? Exactly. Everybody does. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, Brie. You're lovely and beautiful, and it was so fun to have you here. Thank you for having me, Jamie. You guys, wasn't that a fun chat with Brie? I love her heart for bringing people together around the table. And it's almost the holidays. It's almost Thanksgiving and Christmas. And having people around your table can be stressful for some people, but I hope it's not for you guys. I hope that you really see the value in people opening up and loving to gather around the table. You should also really go get her book because you're going to cry. You're going to laugh. You're going to be inspired and you're going to want to make all of her recipes. Guys, there's a recipe guide in the back with a shopping list. She makes it easy for you. I mentioned I'll be in Guatemala with Noonday and I'm super excited because I'll be there next week. Be sure and follow me on Instagram to see the beautiful country of Guatemala and all that Noonday is doing there. My Instagram handle is at Jamie Ivy. Also, I think I learned about Code Switch, the podcast she mentioned from her when we recorded this and I have devoured it ever since. It is super, super, super good. You guys, this show is full of great ways that you can make a great difference in the world. Bree and I talked about compassion a lot and there's a link in the show notes if you want to sponsor a child in need. Also at the beginning of the show, I mentioned Samaritan's Purse who's sponsoring this episode. But I want you to know that's another great way for you to make a difference in someone's world this Christmas. Check out jamieivy.com slash OCC for ways to get involved. Guys, I want to thank Virtue Labs again. It's a new hair care brand with the goal of giving everyone the best hair scientifically possible via an incredible new protein, Alpha Carotene 60KU. Alpha Carotene 60KU is identical to the carotene in your own hair and it has the power to resurface and fill in cracks from damage, which means this, it means more bounce, more shine and more life for your hair. And guys, right now you can only find it in the Virtue Labs line of shampoos, conditioners and styling products. Here's what you need to do if you're ready to experience this for yourself. You can now try Virtue at 10% off and get free shipping with the code happy hour. Visit virtuelabs.com to place your order. Guys, today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, I have two guests on the show next week, not at the same time, back to back. First up is my husband, Aaron Ivy, plus the Kathy Lee Gifford joins me for the second half of that show. Guys, enjoy your week, share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend.